Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Dave, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today's Rocktail Hour is brought to you by utelconcerts.com, which is dedicated to spreading the love of live music. Check out utelconcerts.com where you can read and submit concert reviews, enter contests for free tickets, view concert photos, and see an extensive calendar of upcoming shows in the LA area. utelconcerts.com, because when you tell concerts, it's cooler. In today's Rocktail Hour, Dave is going to tell us the story behind Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about Black Sabbath. We've got the lights out and the candles lit. I'm a little terrified. <laughs> I'll tell you, my mom isn't excited that I'm going to talk about Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I had a cousin who wanted to go see Black Sabbath back in the 70s, and she got away with it by telling her mom that she was going to see a religious concert. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they were not that, but I think that they are one of the pillars of rock and roll as well. And the pillar of heavy metal music, which we'll talk about in a little bit later. And that could be up for debate, but in my mind, it's not. So, you know, we're going to talk about the song Black Sabbath. It is not one of the well-known songs by the group. The reason I wanted to pick the song is I think it sets the stage to understand the band and how kind of the genesis and how they came about. Uh, and it's also the first song of their first album. So let's talk a little bit about the band and their background uh, Black Sabbath was obviously the band where Ozzy Osbourne got his start. Uh, the other members were Tony Iommi, who was the lead guitar player, Geezer Butler, who was the bass player, and Bill Ward, who was the drummer. And a couple little-known facts about them. This one isn't as little-known, but before they were Black Sabbath, they were a heavy blues band called Earth. And this was back in 1968. Didn't know that. A very little-known fact is that before they were Earth, they were something else. And they were called the Polka Tulk Blues Band. (laughs) (laughs) And there was some kind of a cream or ointment that Ozzy found in his mom's cabinet called Polka Tulk whatever. And he thought that was an interesting name. So he named his band the Polka Tulk Blues Band. They went from that to Black Sabbath. Wow. (laughs) Good change. Yeah. And so the way they got to the name Black Sabbath is they were rehearsing as Earth in their rehearsal studio. And across the street, there was a movie theater. And they see all these people lining up down the block to get into this movie theater. And it was a Boris Karloff horror film. It was actually a trilogy. And um, the, one of, I think the names of one of the films was called Black Sabbath. And they saw this and were struck at how many people were lining up to pay money to get themselves scared. And they said, <laughs> hey, there's a link between this and and music they took the name black sabbath from the movie from that movie and have been black sabbath obviously ever since that's cool yeah so in 1969 was when they actually changed their name from earth to black sabbath and they released their their debut album and the song black sabbath is the first track on that Um, now one thing that's interesting to keep in mind about these guys is they were formulating who they were and their approach to music is where they were living. These guys grew up in Birmingham, England. This was in 1967-1968, which was the era of hippies and free love and flower power and everything that we traditionally think of with that time period. 
Well, here these guys are growing up in Birmingham, England, which is an industrial, working class, blue collar, tough, dark life. And each of these guys would say, we looked around us and we didn't feel hippies. We didn't feel flower power. We felt darkness and dead end jobs. And that was our lives. Right. And so that'll kind of give you a backdrop for how they became Black Sabbath in terms of their musical stylings. And so um, here's an example. Tony Iommi, who is the band's lead guitar player, as we mentioned, also a songwriter. And by the way, in my opinion, one of the I'd put him easily in the top five, maybe top three riff writers of all time. His riffs are unmistakable. Um, and I, I say that as someone that learned to play the entire Paranoid, entire Paranoid album when I was 17 years old because I fell in love with <laughs> wow. his riff writing abilities. But anyways, he was, Tony Iommi was working at a sheet metal factory when he was 17 years old and an accident cut off the tips of his middle and his ring fingers on his left hand, which is his, oh, you know, I, I lied. It was on his right hand, which was his fretboarding hand. He played left-handed just like Hendrix did. Okay. And so if you're a guitar player and you get the, your fingertips cut off, that's, that's a news. death knell. Yeah. It's absolutely bad news. And so his initial reaction was to give up the guitar until he had a friend of his show him, I don't know if it was a video, I think it was a recording, well, could have been a video, but he showed him a recording of uh, Django Reinhardt. Now, Django Reinhardt is a gypsy jazz guitar player from earlier in the 20th century and widely regarded as one of the best early jazz guitar players, hands down. And Django Reinhardt had had a couple of his fingers badly deformed in a, in a fire. And huh. go listen or you know, YouTube or Google a Django Reinhardt song and listen to his leads. And it's real old school recordings. And he is zipping up and down the fretboard with ease. And he's doing it with two fingers. Wow. So that's a whole other story. And he's a fascinating character in music history. In fact, I'd recommend highly um, a movie called Sweet Low Down, which is Sean Penn playing an up-and-coming jazz guitar player and it's brilliantly acted brilliantly um scripted and he's competing his whole life living in the shadow of django reinhardt anyway great movie for <laughs> for what it's worth so anyway after tony iomi had learned about django reinhardt it rekindled his you know desire to play guitar and said hey maybe i can do this so what he did is he got plastic bottles maybe similar to the water bottles we drink out of today and he melted them down and as they were hardening he stuck his finger in the plastic to form a mold wow. around his finger and he kind of molded it and then he capped it off with leather and somehow he stuck those to his fingertips to en enable him to play wow that's fantastic yeah and so he ended up um, forming a lot of sabbath's sound uh, both from a, a riff perspective, but also from a, just a guitar and a musicality perspective, because what he did originally is he would take, or not originally, actually, he did it only on, a, on I think, one album, but, he, or actually, he did this on all of his albums. He would take the standard guitar tuning, E-A-D-G-B-E, and he would turn it, tune it down so it would be E-flat, A-flat, D-flat, and he would just just a half step down, and it made the strings a little bit looser and easier for him to bend. Right now, that accounted for a little bit of the darkness that you'll hear in the guitar tones yeah, right, of Black right. Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, it's interesting and certainly, you know, appropriate, I think, that he gets his fingers cut off in a sheet metal accident in <laughs> Birmingham, England. And then that ends up feeding the darkness of their guitar tone in their in their 
and who they were. Um, in fact, on one of the albums, he didn't. He only he didn't uh, de- or didn't tune it down just one half step. He tuned it down, I believe, a step and a half. And he would play the chords up a little bit more, but it gave the guitar tone itself a really deep and kind of brooding feeling, even more than what it was originally. Wow. So. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about um, Black Sabbath, the song. And, you know, I want to put a little caveat into into this rock tale hour. Uh, and I'm speaking for myself, and I would assume I can speak for you guys. We're going to talk about this song because, again, I think it illustrates who they were as a band and their approach to music. But as guys that are participating in this podcast, I want to make it clear that we in no way are trying to endorse or promote anything in the occult or, you know, things like that but it's a part of their music and it's part of what spawned generations of bands that were either copycats or similar in nature to what the the content of the music was kids don't try this at home (laughs) that's right (laughs) don't cut off your fingertips in a sheet metal accident (laughs) and don't join the occult okay that's right okay the lawyer has spoken go ahead now i can go on and speak freely that's right thank you treg very good so as I said, this Black Sabbath, the song, was the first uh, song on, on their first album. And uh, certainly, as I, as I mentioned before, not one of their radio hits. But here's the story behind the song. And this was in, uh, I think it was still in the Black Sabbath days and not the Earth days, but this is when they were starting to get into the darker types of music. Uh, Geezer Butler, who's their bass player, was kind of at that period of time into spiritualism, meditation, black and white magic, as he says. And actually, if you do a little bit of rock history research, that was not uncommon for a lot of these rock stars at the time. Jimmy Page, um, right. he was, uh, we can we could do a whole podcast on that. He was genuinely into that stuff and still is today. Huh. You had a lot of other rock stars that were interested in this. So it wasn't necessarily uh, unusual to be into that kind of stuff for the, for the time period. So anyway, Ozzy comes in and he gives Geezer Butler this 16th century book on magic and the occult and whatever and it's written what in what geezer butler thinks was latin and he looks at the book and his only comment on it is he says uh he says i just got this really weird vibe off of it and he didn't like the vibe i think it might have spooked him a little bit so he says he put it in his cupboard shut the cupboard goes to bed that night and this was in his apartment and he wakes up to see and again i'm just kind of quoting him it's a little bit of a fantastic and personally i think maybe a silly story but he wakes up to see a big black shape staring at him at the foot of his bed (laughs) okay (laughs) okay and he says he's sitting there staring at this big black shape and it scares him and eventually the big black shape goes away and he immediately jumps out of bed and says hey this has got to have something to do with the book (laughs) and he runs over to the cupboard and he opens the cupboard to get the book and toss it out and the book was gone of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I'm not one to promote, you know, supernaturalism or things like that, but that's hit the story as he tells it. And there was a big silver hook that used to be somebody's hand on the doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> we do have the lights off in here. This is ghost story yeah. time. So anyway, that's the story. But if you listen to the lyrics of the song, he went and explained that experience to Ozzy. Ozzy said, hey, Let's put that in the song. And the opening <laughs> lyric in the song is, what is this that stands before me, big black shape with eyes that stare at me, oh, or something cool. along those lines, yeah, right? Yeah. So anyway, here's the reason I wanted to talk about this. And again, I think under the broad genre of rock and roll, you have various subgenres. And I think 
you know, heavy metal could be thought of as one of those. And clearly Sabbath is a pioneer and a foundational cornerstone in heavier rock music. And any artist would tell you that, I think, that uh, is a student of rock history. So here's the thing about this riff, and this is a funny thing. I want to bring a little music history into this uh, rock tale hour. So the main riff of the song is based on octaves in the key of G. Octaves just going from the low G to the high G. And then it's punctuated by what's called the flatted fifth. Okay, now I'm going to play the opening riff really quick on this out-of-tune, clunky old guitar that we found laying around here in the, the office here. But here's the octaves in G. And then he plays this flatted fifth that is this really dissonant tone. Yeah. When I say a flatted fifth, if you think about a major scale that goes in, like do, re, mi, fa, so, it's the so note taken down a half step. So it's not, it would sound like this if you were playing a major scale. So that note itself is interesting for a couple reasons. That note, that flatted fifth, one, in, the, in guitar there's a blues scale and the blues scale is very simple, but it has the, that flatted fifth in it. And the blues oh. traditionally has been talked about as being the devil's music. And historically, back in the Middle Ages, and this is a little bit of music folklore, I think there's some debate among scholars about whether this is true or not, but the, the folklore in any sense is that the Catholic Church back through the Middle Ages actually outlawed playing that interval which they call the devil's interval or the devil's chord um it's it's <laughs> called uh, in latin diabolos and musica wow and so anyway there you have that note that's in their song an interesting thing that's kind of an appendage to the podcast that we did on uh, purple haze the opening chords that you mentioned treg about being very dissonant you have the bass player playing in an E, and you have Hendrix doing octaves yeah. on the flatted fifth. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so you have a lot of these rock stars, these early rock guys, that clearly understood this concept of the devil's note in music. <laughs> and here's Black Sabbath, which I actually kind of find comical. They, you know, before it was like maybe you'd try to hide it or just kind of add it in a passing phrase in music. Black Sabbath, their opening riff of their opening song is... They hit it, they hit the G, they hit the other G, and then they trill and just drill this <laughs> flatted fifth note into the listener, right? So it's almost, uh, you know, bordering on the absurd a little bit in that yeah, sense to right, me. Right. But I thought that was kind of funny. And it just kind of shows who they were. Their, their goal was, you know, we're not going to be the hippie flower child. We want to scare people. We're going to break the conventions. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Craig and I were listening to the song on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um just to kind of refresh and, and become familiar with it. Uh, I'd heard it before. Uh, and I made the comment, you know, the reason that Spinal Tap is such a funny movie mm -hmm. is because it's so close to actual reality that it's hard to draw the line between what is satire and what is real. And as you listen to this song by Black Sabbath, you almost want to laugh because it does seem like they're parodying themselves. Uh, a little bit, although at the time, the, you know, the music was original, but that whole idea in Spinal Tap that they made fun of that, that darkness and they were trying so hard when they were really just likable guys to, to be right. this dark band that, you know, and sinister almost makes you want to laugh when you hear this opening riff. 
Um, and I, and, and I, it's funny that I thought about that and I'm sure that, you know, it's a byproduct of the times that we're in that, you know, it probably was very dark and sinister and original back in its day, but now it almost seems to be, um, again, a parody in a way. You know, I, I would agree with that on a couple of levels. One, there's a great quote by Margaret Thatcher and she said, if you have to tell anybody that you're a lady, you're not a lady. Right. <laughs> and sometimes when you have to sit there and be so overt about something, it to where it sometimes can border on the absurd. It probably isn't really what's going on underneath. But the last point I wanted to make about this song and really Black Sabbath in general is I remember in the 80s I was reading Hit Parade magazine and they had this long article with all these people having these different opinions that I remember and there were names like Iron Butterfly, Vanilla Fudge, Led Zeppelin, MC5 was one of them. And I just remember reading that article and I still think the same today. Guys, why are we even talking about this? Yeah. Some of it depends on how you want to define quote unquote heavy metal. And I, you know, people said Zeppelin was and things like that. But as I define heavy metal personally, it's clear that Black Sabbath was the first heavy metal band. And you look at the, the kind of the spawn of Sabbath, um, Metallica would credit Sabbath and, and just a plethora of, of bands, uh, you know, the heavier bands would all go back to Sabbath as one of their foundational roots. And I think this song kind of just does a good, a good job of, you know, kind of setting the stage for who they were and their approach to music. And um, that's really it. That's Black yeah. Sabbath by Black Sabbath. Most of those other bands were more, more, more uh, blues bands, right? I mean, they were taking the blues and juicing it up, but that's right. Black Sabbath changed it. They did. They were heavier than everybody else. They were louder than everybody else. They were crazier than everybody else. Um, and obviously the folklore of Ozzy goes on and on and on and on. Definitely. <laughs> you can do lots of stories about him too. Fantastic. Hey, thanks, Dave. A great story about a great band. Now, please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame, please keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate us on iTunes. Until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. <laughs>